Welcome back to the Indiana Bible College podcast, where today we're going to chapel and listen to Sister Emily Cox preach a message entitled, When Your Zeal Means Zero. I'd ever thought I'd be in, but I'm going to appreciate Charlie and Jordan and Becca. They have done such a great job here, haven't they? Don't we have the best student leaders? Aren't they fantastic? I also want to thank all of the staff at IBC. In the short time I've been here, like you said, I've only, this is my second semester, but they've just poured into my life, and I'm so thankful for that. Brother and Sister Galley, and y'all have made an impact on my life that I don't think you'll ever know. You won't understand it, but you have changed who I am because I've been here. I'm going to talk to you today, and I'm going to bring to you a message. In case you can't tell, I'm nervous. So if you see the microphone shaking, it's because I feel like I'm about to pass out. (laughs) But I feel like God has given me a word today. He gave me this message the first week of school. And, you know, I wrote it in my little black book, and I said, God, I'm going to preach it. But then I started to think about it, and I got so convicted that I knew that I wasn't going to be able to preach this message until I started to change some things in my own life. And so for the last two months, God has been pulling at my heart and revealing to me things that I never knew were there. He's been searching the innermost parts and trying to fix some things that I didn't even know I had wrong because I want to serve Him with my whole heart. I want Him to be my identity. So what I'm bringing to you today, I don't want you to take offense to. I don't want you to sit here and think, who's this girl she's trying to preach to me today? But let it convict you like it convicted me because it changed my heart. It changed my life. And so I'm bringing this to you today in complete humility. And I want to talk to you when your zeal means zero. You can be seated. If you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to start in Luke chapter 20, verse 45 through 47. And we're going to then move on to Matthew chapter 7. So if you want to kind of get prepared there. But Luke chapter 20, verses 45 through 47 say this. Then in the audience of all the people, he said unto his disciples, Beware of the scribes, which desire to walk in long robes, and love greetings in the markets, and the highest seats in the synagogues, and the chief rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses, and for a show make long prayers. The same shall receive greater damnation. Now if we move on to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me, he said, many will say to me, In that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. For just a couple seconds, can you just lift your hands and ask God to convict your heart today, to let his word penetrate through the distractions, everything you can, and that you just give it all to him. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. Help me, God. Give me the words to say. Speak to our hearts and our minds today. In Jesus' name. I have a couple of quick questions for you. How many of you like food? 
That is an easy question. Don't you wish that question was on your midterms? How many of you like food? I do. Food is my favorite pastime, quite honestly. But let's go a little bit deeper. How many of you are brand name snobs for food? You know, being a college student, great value has been the greatest value to me. But there are some things that I cannot go generic on. The first thing, peanut butter. I could sit, if my metabolism would let me, I could eat a whole jar of peanut butter in one day. But it has to be Jif. My mom would trick me, and she would like buy this, what is it, Peter Pan? Is that, is that the generic? Peter Pan just needs to fly away in a Neverland. It is disgusting, okay? It looks like peanut butter. It even smells like peanut butter. But when I bit into that sandwich, it tastes like dirt, okay? Only Jif for me. The second one, Dr. Pepper. Do I have any Dr. Pepper purists? Oh, now we're preaching. Here we go. Dr. Pepper. They have come up with every possible substitution. Dr. Thunder, Dr. Big K, what are some other ones? Mr. Pip. Okay, one of the most disappointing moments you can ever have in your life is when you go to a restaurant and say, I'd like Dr. Pepper, and they say, is Mr. Pip okay? No, that is a moment for righteous indignation. Turn the tables. I'm out of here. I do not want Mr. Pibb. Do not ask me that. I want Dr. Pepper. I want the real thing. There are so many things I thought of. Ketchup, saltine crackers. I can't have generic on. They're gross. So I guess I sort of am a brand name snob, even though I don't like to admit it. It's something, there's something so disappointing about getting something that looks like peanut butter. You think it's going to taste like peanut butter, but it's just not the real thing. It's so disappointing. And so now let's go back to our scriptures, and I want to talk to you a little bit about the Pharisees. The Pharisees were kind of the great value brand of Christianity. They tried to look like Christians. They even tried to talk like Christians, but they were not the real thing. They put on this belief that the, eter the ex eternal salvation was going to be based off of their works, and we all know that not to be true, but they integrated so much tradition into their lives. They said, look at me. I'm following all the right rules. I'm following all the right procedures. I should live eternally in heaven, but we all know that that's not how that works. They put on all the right shows for men, but they didn't even have a relationship with God. And as we read in the scripture, Jesus pretty harshly condemns those, the Pharisees, and even those that did that showed external belief but didn't have the internal. In Matthew 23, verse 13 through 15, but I'm just going to read 15, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass the sea and land to make one proselyte, but when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. That's pretty harsh. If Jesus looks at you and says, you're making all these people even worse the child of hell than you are, I think I'd be a little scared. I think that would be kind of harsh for me to hear. We tend to think, we don't really think of Pharisees as a modern term. We like to use words like hypocrites, and sometimes we even like to soften it to say, oh, they just don't have very good character. But today, I want to come to you, and I'm not going to soften it. What I want to talk to you about is this battle. We're all in this battle, and it's the battle against being a Pharisee or being like a Pharisee. In this battle we all fight, we see that Pharisees had all of this zeal, hence the name of this message. They had all of this zeal. They had a zeal for tradition. Everything they did, it was with everything in them. They had so much excitement. They put on big shows. They had a zeal for being in the spotlight. They prayed out loud on the street corners. Everybody knew all of the good things that the Pharisees were doing. They had a zeal for self-righteousness. They followed every law to the T, 
just so that way they would get the glory. It was all self-exalting. And I don't know if you're starting to see the parallel, but as Bible college students, we are tempted to get caught up in that zeal. It's so easy, especially on days like today when the presence of God is moving. It's so easy to come to this altar and to lift up your hands and to jump and shout with 250 other students. It's so easy to come to prayer on Tuesday nights and to speak in tongues for two hours. But if you are leaving and your life does not show the victory, it does not show the grace that comes but the relationship with God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you come down here and you lift your hands, but you go home and you're listening to the wrong thing, you're watching the wrong thing, you're talking to the wrong people. No action is going to make up for that. Just like the Pharisees, it's an external show. There is no relationship with God. If you are coming to the altar, maybe that's your issue. You say, you know what, I get caught up in the zeal of things. The world doesn't want a show anymore. It's tired of this shallow Christianity. If you can't offer a genuine relationship with God, the genuine relationship that can free the addictions, the genuine relationship that can set people free, then the world is going to see through you. And how can you bring them to this point if you can't even bring yourself to this point? It's time we all begin to evaluate ourselves and make sure that we aren't succumbing to this spirit of zeal. Now, here at IBC, we have a lot of people. I'm going to move around a little bit so I don't pace back and forth up there. But here at IBC, we have a lot of different people. People are coming from different backgrounds, different families, different spiritual walks. And some of you may have just gotten into this truth. Some of you may have only been in it three, four, five years. And it's easy to get caught up here. But I encourage you, get this for yourself. Take advantage of the teachers. Take advantage of the services. Don't get caught up in the worship and leave here saying, do I really believe this? Is this really in my heart? Because one day, the day is going to come when Satan's going to attack you. He's going to attack you with doubt. And he's going to say, remember how it was before you got into that church? You can still live like that. Be a good person. Dress the way they do. But do you really have to believe it? I guarantee you he's going to attack you one day with that. I have a friend, I want to tell you a story. Before I came to IBC, I went to college for four years. I went to a university, and I lived on campus. And I believe that God brought me my roommate because I needed another person in church. We just so happened to be in the same program. Everything fit perfectly. She was an apostolic young lady that we had the same interests. We got along great. She became my best friend all four years of college. And we would have these great talks about God, and we would pray together and cry together. And, you know, if girls cry together, then there's like this instant bond there. Like, it was great. We cried together. And she just was so blessed in her ministry. She could sing. She could speak. When she led worship, her parts were just, you know, those parts you just sit back and think, man, they practice. They practice hard. Everything she did, she did with such excitement. Her PowerPoints when she taught were perfect. And I thought, I want to be like her. She's so amazing. Everything she does is perfect. And then my senior year of college, the second semester, we came back from Christmas break, and something didn't quite feel right. She looked the same. She even talked the same. We had our same deep conversations, but I just couldn't put my finger on it. Something didn't feel right. Then we were almost ready to graduate. We were excited. You know, when you're getting ready to graduate college, all my seniors say amen. You're like, Man, I'm ready to get out of this place. And we went to go eat somewhere, and she said, I need to talk to you about something. I said, all right. She said, I'm leaving. I'm done. And I, I was shocked. I thought, 
what are we talking about? We just had this talk about how great God is, and you're leaving? She said, Emily, I can't do this anymore. And I said, what do you mean? You're at the front. She had a ministry. She was in charge of the youth group. She was singing. I said, what more could you want? She said, I didn't ever got it for myself. She said, when I first got into church, I did it for my friends. And then she started dating a guy. She said, I did it for him. Then she said, I did it for you because we lived together. And then I did it for my pastor because he was pretty much like my dad during that time. But I never quite understood it for myself. You see, she gave in to this zeal. She gave in to the excitement of it. But she couldn't tell you what scripture she believed in. She couldn't tell you why she felt the things she did. And one day that may be you in that position thinking, do I really believe this? So make sure that you just don't get into the zeal and the excitement of it, but get it in your heart. You need that genuine connection with God. Now, for all of my seasoned students, the ones who have been raised on a pew, maybe my preacher's kids, my fourth, fifth, sixth generation apostolics, this is more for you than anybody. It's so easy to get into that routine. My mama and daddy did it. My grandma and grandpa did it, so I'm going to do it. Here we go. My grandpa played guitar. My grandma led worship. My daddy preached for 50 years. I'm going to do it. But it doesn't matter what your mama did. It doesn't matter what your daddy did. And it doesn't matter what your grandparents did. God doesn't care what they did. God wants to know you. God wants to know your heart. God wants to see, do they love me with a love that is personal, that is intimate? Do they love me with everything they have? And so I don't want us today to get caught up in this professional ministry mentality. Because I don't care if you get up and play every instrument. God doesn't care if you sing like a canary. He doesn't care if you can preach the house down and the roof catches on fire. That doesn't matter if you have no relationship with God. It doesn't matter what you can do if you're not doing it with a heart that is dedicated to serving the Lord with everything you have. I got to a point where I had to sit there and say, do I really love God? I'm just going to be really transparent with you. I had to sit there and say, do I actually love the Lord as much as I say I do? Do I love God as much as everybody thinks I do? Do I love God as much as I sing about believing in him? But if I love him so much, why am I not talking to him every day? If I love God so much, how come I can't communicate with him? If I love God so much, why do I not have a hunger for his word? Why am I not diving into the Bible, waiting to see what God can tell me? If I really love God, is my life showing it? And that's a hard question to ask ourselves because we are so familiar with singing songs about loving the Lord and praising him and saying, yes, I love God. I love him with everything in me. But sometimes we're missing out on that deep part in our heart that says, I know God. The Pharisees had all the external signs of being a Christian, but their identity was nothing righteous. I want to talk a little bit about identity, and I'm speeding along. I forgot to set my timer, so if I get a little too late, somebody jump up and down for me. But I want to talk about identity a little bit. Your identity is different than what you identify as, or it can be. Now, don't get nervous because I know that language has kind of been um, thrown around in the um, homosexual discussion. But let me give you an example. I can identify as a cat. I can purr like a cat. I could even eat cat food if I was so inclined. But that does not make me a cat. 
I don't care if I say I am a cat and I identify it. I write my name as cat on it. If I change my driver's license to instead of human, I say cat. It doesn't matter because I'm not a cat. It's not my identity. It's not who I am. So understanding your identity in Jesus Christ is crucial before we can win the lost because this world is searching for identity. They are searching for somewhere to belong. They are searching for something that they can connect with. In this world, when their obsession with identity, they've gotten caught up in this kind of ironic sense of joining the crowd to stand out. So they go and they do crazy things. They go and they get these tattoos that are, that's my identity. You know, I've got this one tattoo that nobody else has. Or they have kind of extreme behaviors. A new thing is people are self-harming. It's not new, but they're self-harming and causing themselves to have scars in order to show this was my pain. This is my identity. This scar shows what I went through. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what they're going to the extremes of even killing themselves. In the, in the general population, there are 4.6% of those people that have tried to kill themselves or have accomplished it because they can't find what they're looking for. They're trying to figure out who they are, and they can't. Well, guess what? We have the answer. We have the identity. But wait just a, if you, even though we have access to this, if you don't have it in your heart, you can't give it to them. If you don't have the identity, you can't take it to this world. So how are you supposed to teach the world to identify with Christ if you can't even identify with Christ? So it's time for us to start searching. It's time for us to start searching our hearts and praying that God makes us identify as his. I don't want to be somebody that just comes up here and puts on this external show. You know, I've kind of been general, but let me get specific with some things. We can lift our hands and amen the preacher all you want to, and I appreciate all your support. It's helped me out a lot. But if we aren't applying what the preacher says to our lives, it's shallow. It's shallow support. We can come to student body prayer and speak in tongues for two hours, and don't misunderstand me, but if our lives aren't showing victory and grace, then we need to learn how to pray productively. And that means I want you to start asking, are you using tongues as a fallback because you don't know how to pray? Are you using tongues as a fallback because you can't have a two-way conversation with God? It's time for us to search for a deeper walk with God. This world is done with the charismatic, shallow Christianity. Are you playing an instrument, singing a song, or preaching a sermon about holiness and the love of God, but the music you listen to, the conversations you have when you go back to the dorm, the games you're playing, the movies you're watching on and off campus, are they filled with perversion, violence, and antichrist mentality? Have you read every book on the redeeming power of Christ? You know salvation playing backwards and forwards, but you've never had a personal experience with the victory of the Holy Ghost. It's real. It's something we all have got to face. It's not individual to me or to you. It's for all of us. We cannot give in to this Pharisee mentality where we can put on a show, but we don't have it in our hearts. If we're going to overcome this world war against hell, it's time for us to start striving for a deeper walk with God. Shallow Christianity isn't going to cut it anymore. This world has seen the charismatic, Jesus is my boyfriend, let's all sit around a campfire and sing songs, over-spiritualization of God's word. They're done with that. They've seen it. But you know what's different with us? We have the truth. And I don't know about your Bible, but my KJV says, we that worship him must worship him in both spirit and in truth. It's not enough because they can speak in tongues. They can raise their hands and dance with the best of them, but they don't have that real, that intimate walk with God that you and I can have today.
today. Don't get caught up in that mentality. Don't allow yourself to get caught up in this charismatic worship that's sweeping the world. It's time for us to draw closer to God. In closing, we read the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis. Cain was a tiller of the field. He took care of the earth. That's what he did. That's what he had. So when he brought a sacrifice or an offering to God, he brought the fruits of the ground. It was easy. It was convenient for him. But it's not what God asked of him. So when he presents it to the Lord, the Lord rejects it. And in fact, I think the Bible says that he doesn't respect it. He doesn't take it. And Cain gets really offensive because God took Abel's sacrifice. Abel brought the first lamb, the best lamb, everything he had. And he sacrificed that blood offering in obedience to God. But Cain said, I brought something to you. This is what I have. This is everything I have. This is what I do. Here you go, Lord. And God says, I'm not going to accept it. Just because you bring something to God doesn't mean that it's pleasing to him. Just as Cain brought an offering and just as we bring offerings every Tuesday, every Thursday, every Wednesday, every day you go to class, you're bringing an offering. But if it is not what God asks of you, then it's not enough. If it is not your whole heart, if it's every aspect of your life, God wants everything, not just your worship, not just your praise, but the secret parts of your heart. In Genesis chapter 4, 7, it says, If thou doest well, and this is God talking to um, Cain and Abel, it says, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. That simplifies it. If thou doest well, if thou give everything you have, if you just give God everything in your heart, every bit of bitterness, every bit of anger, every bit of happiness, everything in your heart, then he's going to come down. He's going to accept your offering and bless your life. So today, it's not just enough to bring an offering. We need to seek for that deeper relationship with the Lord. You can have the zeal. You can have the excitement. You can have the passion. But if you don't have the relationship and that deep longing for a relationship with the Lord, it's going to mean zero. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name do many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity.